Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, and wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Joe Steensma. He steadfastly believes that his understanding of the biological sciences birds in particular, has made him a better entrepreneur and businessman. Dr. Steensma is a professor of social entrepreneurship and public health in the George W. Brown School of Social Work at Washington University in St. Louis. Thank you for being here, Joe. Well, thank you for having me. So, so we were, before we started, we were talking about voices. We, we can, we don't have to get into it right away, but we're just going to, I'm going to let people know ahead of time that if different voices start coming out of you, that might be why. That's right. Yeah, they should know that. <laughs> it's one of my, maybe one of my emergent personalities. Yeah. <laughs> or a whole new career. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's awesome. So tell me about, so tell me about what you do. Well, um, there's a lot of things I do. I'm a, my background predominantly has always been in public health and particularly environmental health. So I'm very interested in, and always have been uh, with the intersection of health, wealth, and, and the environment. And so uh, my business, um, my businesses have pri- primarily been around in how we protect the environment at the same time maximizing well-being and, um, you know, increasing productivity for the economy. And a lot of times people think those things are incongruent. And a lot of times people, um, you know, they look at me with this quizzical look like, well, but I think that um, we, you know, my work has been predominantly focused on making better businesses, protecting the environment so that we can live healthier lives. Well, and I love, and so you are a former TEDx Gateway Arch speaker, and I watched watched your uh, talk again, and I loved how you were talking about how, and it's true, like how do we create systems so that we're not, we don't have all this waste. And and I, I really do have like a guilt thing about taking the trash out. Because I always think, how do three people and two dogs make so much trash? And we recycle, like we got the recycling mm-hmm. thing going, yet there's still stuff that you got to throw away. Yeah, well, and I think that that's uh, right there. If we just take that last sentence, there's still stuff that you got to throw away and I think and it's not your it's not you it's not me it's not it, it's not uh, individually our, our fault but we really haven't built the systems that are necessary to reuse uh, and reclaim the um, the energy and the materials that are on those in those things that we gotta throw away right and so it's really about building better systems in society that better um, use um, and and have like safety valves for those for those materials. So like I, I think I, in that you brought up that TEDx talk um, called Birds Biology and Business. Uh, <laughs> look it up on YouTube. Uh, but that that in that talk I I, I think I um, tried to elucidate that that there are biological systems that we can learn from, from because biological systems, they just don't waste. Everything is re, reused and repurposed. And, um, and the energy, uh, which is so valuable in a biological system, that almost, and I, I'm, I'm going to say the word no here, but 
K-N-O-W, that, that the organisms know, they, they really don't cognitively or you know, consciously right. know, but it's like they all know how important uh, that energy is, and biology doesn't waste that. And, um, and so somehow or another in our, in, our separ- in our separating ourselves from the natural environment, we've gotten away from that understanding and then we've built systems built on convenience and not, not really reclaiming the energy and the material in the system. It's really true. And I mean, and there, you know, there's talk about the throwaway society, you know, mm-hmm. that we don't, you know, you don't, why do we buy razors that you're just going to throw away when you could just, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like, how do we figure out ways? I mean, do you have some hints for us? Do you have some ideas for the everyday person on maybe instead of buying this, go buy that? Well, um, so I probably could. I try to steer clear of, uh, of specifics a little bit because, um, it's it really is uh, interesting that no matter where you you know no matter where you go you almost intimated to it earlier like you sometimes you you just have to the reality is is that the that there are um, there are materials and processes that if we could scale them and make them big enough to be widespread or in widespread uptake um, they would be really beneficial uh, but as they are right now uh, they're actually a net negative on the environment. So, I mean, I could call on recycled paper or recycled products and recycled plastics, for example. And, and the reality is until that gets to a certain scale, until you get to a certain size, right. it, it actually is a net negative. But getting up to that point, it's... Uh, so so I, I, I steer clear from that. I'm more interested in building, you know, starting from fresh and saying, how do we build a system set kind of soup to nuts from the top of the mountain down Got ya. and, and, and focus on building, um, a better way of, of doing things. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's a way better answer than, you know, I, here I was going to be like writing down my tips. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and there are people that do that. And, but my focus is really looking at systems and how can we emulate near perfect systems and and then try to scale those in society. And so I, I know I, I was talking to um, a company here in town, Cardock, and, and they are an automotive repair facility. But he was telling me all about how, yeah, all the oil that comes out of the cars, it, it, it's recycled here. I mean, they recycle like everything. Oh, it's come and a long I way. was so impressed by that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so if other industries might take note, like, you know, he, we've got extra this, but it probably has, you know, it's what somebody else, your trash could be somebody else's treasure, right? So Absolutely. who treasures that waste that they can use that waste for something else? Is that that's Absolutely. probably in that's, the most simplest form, right? No, no, but that's, it's, it's what we call Aachen's razor is this notion that the simplest idea is the best. And right. What you just said is exactly what we need to be thinking of is, um, is trying to find markets for some of these things that we would say are superfluous or or waste, right? Um, and and then really working to develop uh, the markets and develop within the context of our uh, of our society and those systems. How do we get those uh, develop those markets and make them efficient? And so I'll give you an example. Um, I was in, I just got back literally like 
two in the morning. I know the you other did. Day Thank you for being uh, here <laughs> as you flew in so late last night uh, or early in the morning. <laughs> from from Haiti, which was uh, which is a great. Uh, it's where I do some work, and um, uh, they were making a type of bread there. Maybe you've heard of it, cassava. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A, and it's uh, made from a, a root. But the bread, it's really a fascinating process, but the, the bread itself, um, sometimes if it's a really high-end one, they'll put coconut on it, and it's really good. But they end up with a lot of coconut shells, and they'll burn those coconut shells um, for charcoal. And charcoal is a very common heating source for in, in Haiti. It's extremely common. But um, in, in this particular case, coconut shell charcoal is is particularly valuable because of it has some chemical properties and it's really pure carbon and and they were burning it for 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 heating whereas it might have a, a better value and greater market in in another capacity okay and so how do we maximize the value too and help get those goods to the market and so I said well let's let's not use it in this capacity let's find a better market for it and so these are the things that I I think about and love to do. Oh, cool. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break. Okay. We will be right back with Joe Steensma. Thank you. Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and I'm the owner of 100th Monkey Media. 100th Monkey Media specializes in affordable and very effective social media solutions for the small to medium-sized business. Our goal is to create a social media presence that shows off who you are, what you do, and delivers brand loyalty and raving fans. Contact us today to learn what 100th Monkey Media can do for you. 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. That's 636-789-1776 or 100thmm.com. And we are back with Joe Steensma, and we were talking about cassava and how interesting of a plant that is and how amazing. So, but do you have you, so the bread, does it taste like bread? Yeah, it's more like a, it's a, it's a type of cracker. I don't even know. I mean, it is a, it has bread-like textures, but it's a little, it's certainly not doughy. It's I gotcha. Not, it's, yeah, it's a different ty- type kind of. Kind of crispier. Crispy, yeah. I got ya. Yeah, hmm. it's unbelievable. I mean, w- when you watch it being made, you're like, this ends up being bread? And sure enough, it it functions that. Something uh, magical uh, happens uh-huh. with that coconut charcoal. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> So yeah. tell me about birds. You, lo- I, okay, I got to tell you, as your Facebook friend, it is so much fun to see the pictures of birds. I love uh, it. Thanks. I love, love, love it. So thanks. tell me about birds. Well, well, I could go back to the beginning, back when they used to be called dinosaurs. But now, uh, um, why uh, not? Let's yeah. well, let's extend the podcast to go uh, throughout uh, all of history. Uh, yeah, we can do it. <laughs> um, uh, birds are just amazing. They, they, one, they're they've adapted. I mean, you know, from the penguin to the ostrich to, um, to, to parrots, to birds of prey, there's to hummingbirds. I mean, they're just amazing. And, and I started watching birds when I was very young and that fascination continued to grow with every new discovery. And they're so variant that you could say, well, why does that one have a long beak? And why does that one have a long leg? Right. Or why does that one have um, 
uh, uh, you know, a very uh, variant sort of uh, vocalization, you know, and and you can keep finding answers, and it doesn't stop, and it's just a, it's just miles and miles and miles deep, and so for me, it started out as I want to see birds. And then it was like, well, I want to know where they live. I want to know why they live there. I want to know why, what do they eat? Um, why do they behave the way they do? And it's just been a lifelong journey. And along the way, I was just talking to a colleague about this. Uh, she happened to comment that we were in the field in Haiti again, and she happened to comment. She said, you don't miss a thing. She said, you, you see every detail and I steadfastly believe that that is because of my life in birds. Because when you're out and you're studying birds and you're studying biology, you have to be extraordinarily observant. Every detail matters. And, um, and so I, I think that uh, when I was, mm, I can't remember if I was six or so, I, this kind of confluence of events. One, I started to find birds. And two, I started to find Pink Floyd. And I found, did you play them together? No kidding. Yeah, no kidding. I did. I, I would. I, I bought my first album with my own money, which was Pink Floyd, The Wall. And there was a, a line in in one of the songs, which was uh, says, "I've got a strong urge to fly, but I've got amazing powers of observation." And I said, I was smart enough to know that I wasn't ever going to fly or have X ray vision. <laughs> try as I might, dang it! But I knew that maybe I could have amazing powers of observation. And so it was like this this discovery of birds and this belief that I could be that observant that just kind of took me down that path. And ever since then, I've been studying and watching birds, and it's been a passion of mine, and it's helped me understand my place in the world and uh, helped me understand uh, systems, good systems, responsible systems. Um, so, yeah, it's just... It's kind of who I am. I mean, in Haiti, they call me Zwazo Man, which is Creole for 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 bird, bird oh, man. They call cool. me bird, bird man. Go to the Bahamas, <laughs> where I, they, you know they all call me Bird Man Joe. It's most people, you know, who know me know me uh, outside of my my university life know me as the Bird Man. The Bird Man, mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I saw yesterday. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna I hope I say this right. I saw a. Dryacacus piliatus? Uh, Dryacopus piliatus. Dryacopus piliatus, just like I said. (laughs) Yeah, you saw one. Okay, I I live at this lake. Okay. Okay, it's called Lake Wawanoka, which means happy land. And um, and, and this living at this lake is, I will say, that's when I first started having appreciation for birds. Now, I don't know what the heck they're called. I'm, I mean, I'm like, there's the one with the red head. <laughs> it's right. kind of things I say, right? But um, there, it's that thing is big. It's a big, and it was so right where I sit, you know, at my computer, and I'm like queen of the lake because I'm overlooking mm. the lake while I'm working. And he came right up at the tree, and it was amazing. And I and I read an article recently that I'll have to find and share it with you. But there is this kid that is studying woodpeckers. Because um, as a way to create helmets, football helmets, mm-hmm. to help people with concussions, to yeah. avoid concussion. Yeah. So for the, for our listeners who aren't familiar <laughs> with the scientific names, <laughs> Dryacopus piliatus is... Dryacopus piliatus. 
the pileated woodpecker, which is the largest woodpecker in North America. Big. It's a big guy. And yeah, woodpeckers have, so we have three layers uh, to protect our brain, uh, three layers of, of, of tissue called the maters, M-A-T-E-R. Um, and uh, I think woodpeckers have four. And, and I think that that's, uh, you know, form fits function. And that's why you stu- when I study birds, I started to see, wow, that's, that has a purpose. Right. Everything has a purpose. So, yeah, be, be wise to study them for concussion purposes. Well, but why, why do they do that? Why, why do, do they do that on trees? Well, Are they, they like so, telling their friends, hey, is well, that a communication or they, what they, is they, it? They do use it for communication, but they also, um, but they're looking for food. They eat, they eat uh, bugs. They have a very weird and long tongue, and so they, they poke holes. They can hear the, the, the bugs munching on the inside of the bark and the cambium. Ooh. And so they pick, and they open that up, and then they can. And, of course, the size of the beak, um, size does matter. Um, so the size of the beak matters as to how, how far you can penetrate within the bark and what types of trees and where within the trees that you will you will. Uh, you know, forage for food. That is so cool. I wish I had gotten a picture of him, but he was, it was like, I think I moved and he's like, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah, Somebody moved behind me, you know. They are amazing. I was just thinking about, I was in Arkansas. So we, it has a cousin, which is a, a famous bird called the ivory-billed woodpecker, which was thought to be extinct, probably is extinct. Don't tell the people in Arkansas. Okay. But um, <laughs> they, uh, it, it the ivory-billed woodpecker was um, was thought to be extinct probably from the 60s. And then in 2004, I think somebody recorded it, or they think they recorded it. And so there's this sort of debate raging. But my son and I, because it's like a quixotic journey or something <laughs> like that, that you, you, every birder has to take. We went down to central Arkansas into the woods and, and for a couple of days tried to find the... the the ghost bird, we call it, which is the ivory-billed woodpecker. So that's also part of it. It's a, You know, people talk about Pokemon Go. Have you heard of this thing, Pokemon oh, Go? Oh, have I? Yes. <laughs> I don't know the first thing about Pokemon Go, but I had some friends. I said, well, you know, tell me, what, what's this craze? I was in Australia, and all these kids. They're all looking they're their all phone. Looking, they're all yeah. walking all over the place. And I was running uh, running down um, in, on Wollongong Beach there, and, and I asked these kids, I said, if you don't mind me asking, I thought I thought what it was cool. I thought it was cool. I was like, wow, these people, these Australians, really get out. And then I said, what's going on? There's everybody's out here, but they're all with their cell phones. And they said, oh, it's Pokemon Go. And I said, well, what do you try to do? Well, you try to capture these things. You try to see these things. Um, I guess they're called Pokemon. Yep. In real places. And this kid was describing it to me, and I was like, so it's kind of like bird watching. <laughs> Except for that I'm really seeing the real thing. I'm like really seeing a creature. Yeah. You're seeing a fake creature and trying to capture it. And I take my camera out and there's a real creature right next to the fake creature that you're catching. And I'll take a picture of the real one. Oh my gosh. You should write an article why Pokemon Go is like birding and you'll get a bunch of kids into it. Oh yeah. Well, that's it is. It is a lot like that. My kids love bird watching. They don't play Pokemon Go. Because they're bird, they, they've that part of them has already been satisfied. Mm-hmm, it's in their DNA. <laughs> We're gonna be right back with Joe Steensma. This is Mickey Hancock. Now's a good time to get a snack. My mom's going to do another commercial. 
If you're looking for an agency to help you with creating and publishing engaging content, launching campaigns, or reputation management, 100th Monkey Media is the social media agency for you. Make your business successful with its social media and get a real return from your investment. 100th Monkey Media is far more affordable than you may think, and we make it easy and impactful. Learn how 100th Monkey Media can help you on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and more. Contact us at 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. That's 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. And we are back with Joe Steensma and it is question time. Okay, ready? Here's my first question. This one kind of cracked me up when I was writing it. (laughs) If you were a Disney princess... (laughs) Oh my gosh. So you know how Disney princesses always like they like the birds show up and sit on their shoulder uh, uh-huh. and they're like friends and they sing and everything. Mm-hmm. All right, which bird do you want to Exactly. Uh-huh. Which bird do you want to show up on your shoulder? If which bird a... would be your friend and like sing around and dance around oh, with you? Oh, well, that's a different question. I thought we were going to different Okay, so for me, um the bird that I think I would want on my shoulder is a uh, a black-capped chickadee. Which isn't sexy. It's not. It's well, don't not, tell the black capped chickadee oh, that. They probably think they are it's hot, cu- hot. No, I think it's cute. I mean, which would you rather be, a sexy bird or a cute bird? Cute. And I think I'm cute. With cute. Me too. And and I think the black capped chickadee is a cute bird, and it's just a, a loyal, loyal bird to me. And we're not supposed to have favorites, children, right, or birds. True. And but I I kind of do like the black capped chicken. Very common, and we see them all the time. But it's it's my favorite. So do we? We see them here in Missouri all the time. No, I have well, to look actually, it up. actually, we see the carrot. We're on the we're on the bifurcation. So there's the Carolina chickadee, which is to the south of St. Louis. Okay. And the black-capped chickadee is to the north of St. Louis. And so um, I'm from the north, so I prefer the... See, I'm all south now, so I probably wouldn't uh, see one. I have to go north again yeah. and go check it out. Mm-hmm. We'll get you one. Okay, so then I'm... This is an obsession of mine. Not a, it does. I don't mean for it to be an obsession, but it just happens. But all of my life, I, I always seem to notice, like, that billboard always has birds on it. Mm-hmm. That stoplight always has birds. Like, what is it about just certain bill? Do you have any idea? They have, and uh, they space themselves out so nice. Like, they're all, like, sitting there, like, <laughs> j- j- move over another inch. You're messing up our thing here, you yeah. know? Our shin, what, feng shui. Feng shui, yeah, yeah feng shui, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it. I'm fascinated by the fact that birds show up. Like It's like, we love this billboard. This is oh, our well, favorite. Th- there's no question. I mean, you're a creature of habit. I'm a creature of habit. Um you know, uh, dogs are creatures of habit. Birds are creatures of habit, and it's one. It's their home. Two. It's 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 their part of the routine. Uh, so, it, it, I, I have a a book, number three on Amazon's hot sellers list. Ooh. Subcategory Bahamas. Subcategory. Subcategory. Birds. <laughs> there are only four bird. There are only four or, books in the category. Or what is it called? So it's easier for us to search for. <laughs> it's called a guide to the birds of North Andros Island. But anyway, in that book, I describe, I, I give specific GPS coordinates to trees, and I say, if you go to this tree, you will find this bird, this bird, this bird, this bird. And oh, how that's cool. and so what you're describing is really just the birds have their haunts, they have their they have their places, and it's generational. So, 
If yeah. I ever put a billboard up, I really want to make sure it's one that the birds like. Yeah, don't put a giant eagle on it or something. You know? <laughs> no, that would, or, no, that would be bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, whoa, stay right, away from that one. Away. I don't know. At our lake one time, um, we have geese, you know, mm-hmm. and and apparently they're a problem. And uh, and so in a newsletter we got one time, it said, we we have a solution to the the geese problem. But that was all they said. And I'm like, well, what are they going to do? The final solution. <laughs> and then oh, then all of a sudden at the beach showed up these, uh, they were like. Mute swans? They were wolves. They were oh. they looked like wolves, not real ones. <laughs> I mean, they were like wolf cutouts or whatever. So the first day, no, no geese. But the second day, the geese were like hanging out. Yeah. With, they were like, yeah, we we get it, guys. This yeah. isn't for real. And so those disappeared pretty soon <laughs> after that. <laughs> so bird brains, they are not. They got it. Uh, they know. Um, okay. Now, we live here in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Do we have a rare bird? Jeez, oh, we got all sorts of... Tell me some of our rare birds. Oh, I mean, so the Ozarks are just loaded with really, really great birds. Actually, up here... Um, so right now we have tundra swans at, uh, when I say right now, it is currently January in Missouri. And so if you go to the confluence of the Missouri and Mississippi rivers, um, right now we have a lot of swans that are quite rare. Okay. Um, tundra swans. Now the, these white swans, like I think of in yep. my head. Okay. Yep. They're big. Are they they the, are big. They're giant birds. We have three that visit the lake every year. There's okay. a certain time where the three, they all show, the three of them show up. Yep. And so that's a rare bird. Um, uh, even right there uh, last year, we had um, at that same spot, we found a rock a rock wren, which is a Western species, comes from like Arizona, Texas. Uh, it's rare. This is, so we're right now, I think this is the way that I describe it. This is the Silk Road. The Mississippi River is the Silk Road for birds. Really? Yeah, it's um, it's the highway when you're lost in the world you find it. And so migratory birds are birds that 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 are transient. They go from one place to another. It's like, uh, I'm lost, but I'll just go up and down the Mississippi. And and so we get strange shit here. Can I say that? It's <laughs> yeah. a podcast. It's a podcast. You can say yeah. everyone. Oh, good. Seriously, oh, we get though, I did not oh, know it's, that. So that's part of the reason I moved to Missouri. I mean, it's just an amazing place for birds. I mean... So you go to the Audubon Center at the Riverlands, um, and you just never know what you're going to see. It's like a box of chocolate, like forced bu- gum. You know, <laughs> life's a box of chocolates. You just never know what you're going to get. It's because there's all sorts of things that come up and down from Canada and come up the Mississippi and stuff. I'm, I'm constantly seeing crazy things out there. So you've heard of the pelican. Mm-hmm. Pelicanus occidentalis. That's the brown pelican. Uh (laughs) The brown pelican. We have the. uh, We also have the American white pelican, which you can see thousands and thousands of at at the the, on the Mississippi River. But the brown pelican is quite rare. And uh, you know, this summer, me and my my ten year old boy uh, were out and saw a brown pelican. It's just the strangest thing. I mean, that's a, that's a you know kind of a coastal bird, and so yeah. I mean, the, we have all sorts. There are about four hundred and so birds that you can see species you can see in Missouri, but 
there's all sorts of crazy things if That's you get the so chance. That's so cool. I had no idea that we lived in this bird-rich area. Uh, I had no idea. It's unbelievable. I mean, it is, it is literally unbelievable. In May, in St. Louis, when the migration comes through, oh, keep your eyes oh, open. It's just unbelievable. It's there's no better place in the world to be. Do you love hummingbirds? Because that's one of my favorite things in the summer is, you know, we put the hummingbird Mm -hmm. feeders out. And again, in front of my window (laughs) where I'm working and they crack, they're fierce little guys. You know, one guy will be like, this is my place to mm -hmm. eat. And I will watch him sit in that tree and be like, no, and go fly and get the the other ones out of there. They're fierce. They're fierce fierce little dudes. Yeah. That, uh, I love hummingbirds. They're, they're a great example, again, of uh, so many things we can learn from hummingbirds in terms of understanding um, niche, understanding a place in, in a system. Uh, of course, their, their biological adaptations are, the list is incredibly long and amazing. I mean, uh, so I love hummingbirds, not just for their beauty, because they're almost universally, they're, universally they're beautiful, but they're they're just a great way for me to understand, um, again, my place, whether as a person or in business. How do I adapt, uh, understand competition? Because, again, they're highly competitive. Right. Um, but it's because, you know what, when you're tiny, you, know, you got to fight for your place in this world. And so they have, uh, they, they have many lessons they could teach us if we would let them. I love it. Thank you, Joe. You're and your TEDx talks, so you, we go to TEDx Gateway Arch, look for Joe Steensma, mm-hmm. S-T-E-E-N-S-M-A. You got it. So that we can, you can, because it's a great talk. Oh, it is, it's a great talk. I mean, I remember the first time that you showed up and said, here, I'm going to tell you what my TED talk would be about. We were like, yes, yeah. that's awesome. So that's thank it. you so much for coming here today. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed it. And first you guys, podcast. I know. Yeah. See, so we first podcast, first time live on Facebook because we're 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 recording this on Facebook. Well, we're live on Facebook uh, right now, so I'll 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 get that up there somewhere so we can have it forever. Uh-huh. In perpetuity. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. You all have been listening to Mishmash. Find us on iTunes and subscribe. Thank you.